the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Ghost and Mohamed Nala. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by Westbrook Alternative Asset Management, South Africa's leading provider of alternative investment funds and co-investment strategies. With over 8 billion rand in assets under management across South Africa, the UK and the USA, Westbrook provides South African high net worth individuals, wealth managers and institutions with a unique gateway to the world of alternative investments. This includes private debt, hybrid capital, real estate, private equity and venture capital. Visit westbrook.co.za to find out more. Westbrook Alternative Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider, FSP number 46750. Before we start this fantastic episode of Magic Markets, I do need to tell you that the contents of this podcast are for information purposes only and they do not constitute investment advice, nor do they represent a solicitation of any member of the public to invest in any security. The investment vehicles managed by Westbrook Alternative Asset Management are available to qualified or sophisticated investors only. All listeners should seek professional financial advice prior to making any investment. Welcome to episode 94 of Magic Markets. We've got Dino from Westbrook back on the show. You heard from him a while ago and then Dino kind of introduced us to the rest of the team at Westbrook. And today we're doing this great little sort of recap of what we've talked about, some key learnings, how the market has developed. But you know, before we get to that, do you know, I recently learned that Greece is a major exporter of canned peaches. I learned this from the RFG results. Uh, they are also now a major exporter of some of your personal belongings, which are now alternative assets running around Europe, because unfortunately your recent trip ended in tears, didn't it? I'm very sorry about this. It's amazing that you lived in Joburg your whole life and then you go and get robbed in Greece. I mean, it's just incredible. That's exactly what I said to everybody in Greece for two weeks. You know, they... They say, where are you from? And you, you know, out of interest in Greek, South Africa is Norti Afriki, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. But uh, anyway, you tell them you're from South Africa and they go, oh, you know, everyone then says Cape Town and you say, no, Johannesburg. And they go, oh, that's, you know. And then I tell them that I got robbed from my Airbnb while I was in Athens. And they kind of look with this embarrassed look and they go, oh, Sorry about that. What did they take? And then I say, well, everything, including my passports. And uh, here we are. I got home eventually. Um, the interesting thing is after two and a half weeks of getting an emergency passport in Athens, by the time I got to passport control in Joburg, I could have given them the dinner menu from the airplane because I didn't even look at it. So I'm home and it's good to be back, gents. And Dino, just one, I just have to make one last point because we were, we were talking about this before air. We were all lamenting being old and useless and having problems. And then you made me feel a bit better about my current health problems. But anyway, long story short, what I learned here was there are no eye stores, you said, in Greece at all. Like Apple has just not come to Greece. They're big on canned peaches, but there are no apples. Nope. I mean, you can find some apples, but uh, they're not the overpriced ones that are a beautiful shade of white. Um, try googling it why is there no apple in in greece i'd love to know the answer but uh, certainly i've done the research and i can confirm 
Yeah, I think that's fascinating. And uh, so, Dino, welcome back to Nortia Afriki. And uh, let's get down to business, guys. Let's compare apples with apples. You know, I, 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 the reason why we've got Dino back on the show, again, for long-time listeners, you'll be familiar with Dino, but not just Dino. You know, we, we've had the Westbrook team on the show. Uh, the first one is episode 59, all the way back in January. And then we've had an assortment of your colleagues, Dino. We've had John Tiosha, we've had Richard Asherson, we've had James Lightbody, you know, we, we've even had Jonathan Loeb, Ryan Rittoff, who I discovered, incidentally, we, we went to Varsity together and we worked together very early on in our careers. Uh, and then we had Saul Nazaro. So I think we've seen so much from Westbrook. We really have. And it's not just the assortment of people we've spoken to. And this is the reason why we wanted to have this show, is that we've actually touched on such a wide range and diversity of of investment opportunities, of funding opportunities. So whether you're the, on the investment side of this, whether you're on the side of the business who requires the funding, we've looked at that. We've looked at different asset classes. So we've gone all the way from kind of the higher risk equity VC type of stuff, all the way down to your fixed income types of offerings. So given the breadth of what we've discussed with Westbrook, we just thought that it was really quite apt for us to have this recap discussion with yourselves, not just for our listeners, but for ourselves as well to say, okay, let's actually stop. Let's have a look at what's transpired over the course of the last several months, what's happened in the markets. Let's wrap this all into one big coherent picture so that people can contextualize this in their own financial matters, whether they're sitting on the investment side or on the business side. So from my side, Dino, welcome to Magic Markets again, and really looking forward to, to unpacking some of this on the show today for our listeners. Yeah, thanks, Mo. Thanks, Ghost. I'm looking forward to the conversation as well. I can't believe this is the ninth one we're doing together. Yeah, ninth one. Before we get into that, I have actually Googled, why is there no Apple in Greece? And the reason is that the, uh, so it looks as though the sort of Apple iStores were never really there, but uh, Apple iTunes and the App Store no longer worked in Greece due to the debt crisis in 2015. PayPal, iCloud, and many other online subscription services were off limits due to laws banning the use of Greek credit cards to spend money outside the country. So there we have it. They were not allowed to subscribe to Apple services, and that makes it kind of hard to own an iPhone. However, Dino, what is now true is that Apple is now in Greece because your iPhone is currently making someone very pleased uh, somewhere in Athens. So... Again, we'll leave, we'll leave you alone on that one. You know, that's the way these things go. Instead, I'll ask you an intelligent question, I think. I hope. We'll see. You can tell me what you think. But, you know, since we've been doing this for, what, nine, about nine months now, and going into this, certainly your thinking at the beginning of the year, which made sense to us, was in this environment, in this market as it is today, where equities are, you know, looking very dicey, people have lost money on bonds, there's been a lot of pain in a lot of places, alternative assets actually stack up pretty well because they're uncorrelated with the broader market. They often have a bit of a yield underpin, the potential for growth. They're interesting, right? I mean, that's why we've been doing this and enjoying it so much. It's now September. To the extent you can talk about it, what have the flows looked like this year? I mean, has it been the way you hoped it would be? It would be great to get those insights. I think statistically speaking, I'm happy to share it. I mean, we as a business in the first six months of the year have raised as much capital as we did the whole of last year. Now, that's not, I mean, there's various reasons for that, right? We're a business that's growing. We, you know, organically have a lot of stuff going on internally that would result in us growing. 
but I think it does, it is the ultimate determinant of success in this kind of an industry. And it is the best barometer by which to measure also the appetite from clients for these kinds of things. And I often, when I sit with my clients, ghost, I talk about pushes and pulls. You know, for the last few years, I've been pulling clients saying, come look at alternatives, come take a look at what we're doing, have a look at why they're interesting and why they're relevant. For the first time in a long time, I'm seeing the push. And the push is, well, hold on. We're now in this world where interest rates are going up. If interest rates go up, you've got a complex relationship with equities, which statistically speaking, if interest rates go up, equities go down. You've got high inflation and you've still got low yields and cash, right? So clients are kind of saying, well, if I need to not get poorer in real terms, I need to invest somewhere. I can't go into cash. I can't go into bonds necessarily because those yields are too low. I'm scared of equities. So, you know, and all of those things are especially true of the volatile listed markets. And so for the first time I've seen a push and that pushes, we need something different. We need something unique. We need something better structured. We need something uncorrelated. We need something that isn't necessarily going to bounce around with the volatility that you have in the traditional markets. And, you know, I think that's translated into better client demand. But I think we've got a long way to go in, in terms of education in the market around what alternatives are and why they're relevant and how one accesses them. I think that's fantastic. You know, and I, I think almost a related tack on question to that is, you know, as an asset allocator, I'm particularly interested to see, okay, so we see the flow, but how has that push been in terms of demand? So have investors been looking predominantly for private equity type of exposure? Have they kind of defaulted towards some of your hybrid solutions, which gave you characteristics of equity as well as some of the downside protection and fixed income? Have they gone for more risk averse, cash oriented or fixed income oriented solutions? What does that mix look like? Because that for me would be fascinating to overlay in terms of what we've seen in the listed and what we've seen and discussed in some of the listed markets on the show as well. Yeah. Look, Mo, I think the biggest flows I've seen have definitely been into the risk-off buckets, those two risk-off buckets. I mean, just to contextualize, so, so Westbrook Alternative Asset Management does four main things. It's private debt, hybrid capital, real estate equity, and then private equity venture capital. The first two for me have been where the big interests have been from clients, both locally in South Africa and offshore, where we operate in the UK and the USA as well. Private debt, you know, achieved by Westbrook in funds, senior secured loans against property and other types of assets, steady eddy, non-volatile, tax structured, kind of 12% in South Africa, sevens and eights in sterling has been a real uh, revelation, I think, for clients who are looking just for sleep at home investing, but in a more tax efficient and, and high yield environment. And then what we've done in hybrid capital, which is really a debt-led approach to private equity investing. That kind of a business is where we move a little bit up the risk curve from a debt perspective. So from senior secured stuff into a little bit more mezzanine debt, uh, preferred equity, and sometimes use our position as a key lender in the businesses to get an equity stake, even if it's small in the business or a warrant. Those two areas are where clients are, are very interested. And the reason is they're, they're afraid of the future and they're afraid of what uh, the current environment might bring. So both of those two offerings, and if I speak to hybrid capital for a second, in South Africa, there you're moving up to sort of the 15s and 20% from a returns perspective and in the UK you're in like the 10s, 12s, even a little bit more. Um, they're both sort of offerings I think where clients see that the downside is better protected but they have the ability to participate in the upside from a returns perspective, especially in the hybrid world. Now I suppose the conversation that always is interesting is 
Equities have had a tough run, especially VC. I mean, I think VC in particular has been particularly tough. Uh, the question is, and, and some clients are starting to ask it, is at what point does it become interesting to become an investor in those asset classes again? I'm definitely not a fortune teller, and I, you know, I, I can't tell what the future has has to, to to bring. But probably the best answer is the same answer as I'll always give, which is portfolio theory and diversification. You know, a well-weighted investment portfolio incorporates elements of of all of the above, um, and it's just about working out where your weightings are, both currency and asset class. Yeah, anecdotally, I've seen a lot more on Twitter from some of the sort of capital allocators, wealth managers talking about alternatives. So. They are doing that because people are asking them about alternatives, you know, and some may say that this is purely a result of market forces. Some may say this is directly correlated to eight magic markets shows about alternatives. We just don't know. In reality, it's probably mainly because of the market. And it's interesting to hear you talk about how there's, there's big demand for a lot of the, the sort of yield underpin, you know, elements of, of alternatives, which makes a hell of a lot of sense in this environment, right? When everything is kind of on fire and inflation is up, People are like, well, you know what, if you can give me 7 or 8% as a yield underpin and then you can give me some growth on top of that that makes this look really interesting on an overall IRR basis, then it becomes cool and it looks very different to everything else in your portfolio, which is exactly what alternatives are all about, right? But something I wanted to ask you is, you know, these alternative assets need to land somewhere. People can't just give you money and you, and you make this, this return come out of the sky. So in terms of demand for the capital, you know, there's there's two sides to your guys' business, right? You've got to raise the money on the left and you've got to uh, ultimately allocate it on the right. What are you seeing in terms of demand for capital from the market? Are you seeing a lot of demand from people you've invested in before? So kind of follow-on cap raises or is it more new opportunities? You know, do you have a bit of risk appetite for that in this market? It'd be cool to get your insights on that. I think on the first point, Ghost, and it's something we would have covered in an earlier episode, is... I mean, absolutely, alternatives are being discussed a lot, and it would be logical that they are, given where we are in the market. But again, I mean, alternatives aren't a new concept, right? I would have spoken about the fact that if you look offshore, I mean, average allocations by institutions to alternatives are 22%. By family offices, 35%. Uh, the Yale University Endowment is everybody's favorite case for alternatives and showing why they're so relevant. They've got a 75% allocation to alternatives. So. It's not like alternatives are something that's new. They are new in South Africa, and South African investors aren't used to accessing them. And there's reasons for that. You know, we're a very conservative people. We haven't had great access. That's something Westbrook's trying to change. And there are also regulatory impediments, especially in the collective investment scheme world, that by and large don't actually allow you to allocate to alternatives. But they're not a new concept. To answer your second question around where the money is going, it's interesting. So. What is the first thing generally that happens, especially with banks and providers of capital when times get tough, is they pull back. They pull back to assess. Now, if I take the UK as, a, as an example, one thing that we've now had in, in the world for the first time as well is we've had a COVID overhang. So if you look, for example, in the UK, we had the loan schemes that were brought in in the UK by government. They were the Siebel's loans, the coronavirus business interruption loan schemes in the UK. But it's true, we had our own equivalent here in South Africa. They've been, they've been in place all around the world. What happened there is the government's guaranteed loans that were made to businesses impacted by COVID, provided that banks agreed to take generally a first loss. And so what happened in COVID is 
by and large, banks went and wrote loans that ordinarily they might not or, like, have written. Fast forward 18 to 24 months, and where do we find ourselves now? We're suddenly in a tough market. People are worried about the future. And banks are going, hold on, wait, we've gone and written a whole bunch of debt that perhaps ordinarily we wouldn't have written. So if we're not careful, we're going to lose money on these loans. And in accordance with the rules of these government loan schemes, we're going to lose first. The government is then only going to step up once our first loss has been eaten away. And so what we've seen from incumbent providers of capital is a big pulling back and a reallocation ghost of resources away from the writing of new deals towards the management of existing portfolios. And that has been good for us because, you know, especially when you're playing in big markets, for example, the UK, where you've got all the big providers of capital, the names that you'll know, chasing deals. For the first time as a smaller niche player, you go from being a bit of a price taker to being a little bit more of a price maker. And really, even if we're doing, let's say, Yield Plus, which is our private debt fund in the UK, has 50 deals in it. In 50 deals, 51 to be exact, in the context of a ginormous market, is not a huge number, right? So, I mean, I think that the summary is, in a tough market, credit quality gets worse, generally. Therefore, you need to be very careful, and you need to go and double down on the same principles of credit and of extending capital as you always would. However, if you are a niche player and if you are somebody who is willing to roll up your sleeves and get stuck in, the opportunities abound. And so I've often said this to clients. I actually believe that a business like ours probably does a little bit better in bear markets than it does in bull markets because we can kind of dictate terms a little bit more than ordinarily. Yeah, again, I think, you know, a tech one question for me from that, just given the geographical dispersion that Westbrook operates in. I mean, you've got the UK, you've got South Africa, you've got some some in the US as well. What does that look like? Because, and, and, and specifically in this context, you know, you've seen activity tightening, you've seen the banks arguably pull back. And the reason I ask this is that, you know, when I speak to partners out in the U US, you know, it's been a lot easier than arguably in Europe. Uh, and also arguably both of those a lot easier than it's been in South Africa, just in terms of access to those government programs, the scale of those programs, how the programs were run. How, how does that look from your perspective in terms of just overall credit quality, the amount of distress you're seeing in the market in general, uh, and how that filters through in terms of obviously demand for funding from Westbrook, but then also in terms of investors, because we know really savvy investors will say crisis brings opportunity. Are you seeing that influence where investors are willing to allocate funds as well? Look, I think it's early days. We've, we've seen this, the beginning signs of things softening. I'd say softening is a better word. If you look at the UK, the UK has had some dynamics for a while. You know, you've had a leadership contest with the prime minister. Uh, You've had a variety of different impacts. Brexit, a lot of people have been looking at that for a while. So the UK market, it, you know, it's not to say that it has, it's been without its challenges for a while. And we've seen, I'd say, a softening, but not a total uh, implosion by any stretch of anyone's imagination. And I think it continues on that tact. What, what has been interesting is that the US, for a long time, Mo, has seemingly carried on unaffected by what's been going on in the rest of the world. And for the first time now, we've started to see the inflation data come out in the US at a high number. And uh, I enjoyed the comments, someone talking about markets trying to rally on very rocky foundations. And, you know, when that inflation data came out, all of a sudden, we saw the markets hurt again. Um, and, you know, I think that's a sign that the world in general is not immune. However, that being said, the, the world is in its 
uh, you know, the, the, the entire world is in it when it comes to what's gone on over the last while. For us, we're not macroeconomists. We, are, we, we have knowledge of what's going on in our jurisdictions, which are primarily the UK and the United States. And I think it's also a factor, if you look at it from the other side, on, on the perspective of an investor, it's, it's very much a factor of who your investors are. So in Westbrook Alternative Asset Management, our investors are generally individuals, either a direct ultra high net worth coming to us or the client of a wealth manager. Now, a South African high net worth individual for a long time has followed a particular portfolio allocation, which has generally sort of been 80% offshore, 20% local, 90% offshore, 10% local of money available for allocation. Right? So from our perspective, we've seen a lot of capital flowing offshore. That doesn't mean that there aren't, that that's the same, that, that's the allocation of money available to be spent. That doesn't mean that their portfolio looks like that because a lot of clients have a lot of money trapped in pension funds, provident funds, and the likes. And that money is subject to Reg 28 and, and what we know. However, given the impediments around investments into alternatives by collective investment schemes, not a lot of that money is available for allocation into alternatives by and large. So from our perspective, a lot of money going into both the UK and the US markets. Um, for the first time over the course of the last few months, I've had questions from clients around the pound in particular. You know, we've seen the dollar rally significantly in relation to the pound. And so clients asking the question of, you know, what's going to happen in relation to the pound dollar? Uh, I can tell you that every single time I've tried to call currency, I've gotten it wrong. And it certainly is not something that I profess to be an expert in. Um, but again, it's probably it's probably a case of both, right? Um, the dollar has run incredibly strongly, especially on the back of uh, what's been going on in the US. And the question is whether that run will continue, whether the pound now represents value. Um, and probably, again, having a spread of both is good. Yeah, diversification is your friend, huh? And that's why, that's why alternatives are interesting to start with, actually. So I think that's fascinating stuff. I mean, you know, just a tongue-in-cheek comment there. If, if you're struggling with some of the FX stuff, uh, just hit me up on monos.com and, and we can we can definitely chat to you guys at Westbrook about some of that currency stuff. Do you know where I want to go? One last one. I want to actually throw a question to Finance Ghost. And he, he's not expecting this, but I want to throw it to him. And then I'll come in after that as well. And because of the because of the diversity of stuff that we've actually covered with Westbrook over the course of the last nine months, Ghost, what was your favorite show? You know, I, I went, I had a look at some of the old shows. Uh, there's some really great stuff in there. And again, for listeners who haven't gone through the library, uh, you know, you can go and check those out. You search on our website, you search for Westbrook, they'll all come up. Uh, Ghost, what is your favorite show? What stuck out for you over the course of the last eight shows that we've done with the team? Uh, that's a really interesting question. So the one that I think I found just very interesting and fun was the mobile home parks I just felt like there were alligators basically behind, you know, the venue in which <laughs> in which Jonathan was sitting. Basically, it had that very real feel to it where I literally felt like he was about to go and inspect a property and, and, and get some mud out there. I mean, it was just cool. And then the more I Googled the sort of mobile home parks, the more I realized this is the absolute furthest thing in the world from what you think it is, um, you know, in terms of these sort of trailer parks. That was really genuinely very interesting. And then, look, I have quite a soft spot for sort of mezzanine finance and all the sort of structuring that goes around that. I just think it's all of the elements of finance, you know, the thing I love into one, you know, how do you do it debt led? How do you manage the risk? How do you get the yields right all the way through to how do you make sure you can capture some upside? How do you leave enough on the table for the founder to make sure that, you know, he or she is still 
properly incentivized to actually grow this thing. So MES is just something that I personally have always found interesting. In my investment banking days, we used to look at a few of those deals and yeah, the financial modeling around them is pretty cool. But that's that's just because I'm a finance geek, basically, that I found that particularly interesting. I mean, I've enjoyed all of them, but those are probably two that I suppose stand out for me a little bit. So Mo, what was yours since you're now throwing me these uh, unexpected questions? Yeah, you, you stole the thunder with mobile home parks. That one undoubtedly stuck out for me. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I just enjoy the learning process here. And it was something that I hadn't come across conventionally. So I saw, I saw it as so interesting. And also just understanding that value, that ecosystem, how Westbrook's able to extract value from that space, the types of returns you can get. So that for me was fascinating, just in terms of a learning exercise, something I hadn't been exposed to before, something I hadn't seen from other kind of, let's call it investment providers. Uh, the other thing that stuck out for me, so I, I mean, Ghost, you were mentioning, I, I think you were looking at something like balancing balance sheets, which was episode 63, where you looked at the different tiers on the balance sheet. I think Dino was with us on that show and he explained the whole capital stack and, and how things rack up there. For me, very similar to that was the one, episode 81, hybrid capital. Uh, and that's because we had a proper discussion around exactly how you stack together, I, I think, elements of debt for downside protection, getting some of the upside exposure. I've always been a big fan of non-linear payoff profiles in a portfolio. I think that's how you can add value if you get really smart. And so some of the themes that Dino's spoken about, not just in terms of diversification, so that's your asset allocation, but also in terms of just overall how you approach your portfolio, that for me really synthesized quite nicely in episode 81, which was hybrid capital. I'm gonna throw a third one in there and it's just because it's so relevant. It's so relevant down in South Africa, it was topical. It was actually one of our best performing shows with Westbrook and that was investing in solar. Uh, I think it was topical because it was still early days for Westbrook in that particular space. I know that Ryan and Swall were on the show and they were saying to the guys who own the projects, who are looking at the projects, hey, come and speak to us if you're in this mid-scale project space. What is interesting for me is, is where in that value chain Westbrook has chosen to play in terms of the size of projects they were willing to consider. And so that for me from a South African value add, if I were looking for funding, was also one of the very interesting components in that a lot of the others are orientated around capital flow outside of South Africa, great geographical dispersion. Investing in solar for me was around clean energy, which has a societal impact in South Africa. And so I th that for me was also one of, one of the favorites. Tell you what else I've learned from this whole uh, Westbrook adventure so far is you need to be close to the assets that you profess to be an expert in. And, and you know, I think that's something you guys get right. You know, when you're investing in the UK, there's a team in the UK. When you're investing in US property, there's a team there. When you're doing VC, there are people overseas sourcing deals and understanding them. There's no attempt to be desktop jockeys sitting in Santon. And I think there's been a lot of South African investors over the years and especially corporates who have believed they can go to another country and do well out of it, you know? And we've got numerous examples that it is just not so easy, actually. And uh, I recently had an interview with the Woolworths CEO. I, I wrote an article for Investors Monthly this month, which will go out uh, in the coming week or so. And he used to run Levi's in uh, North America, and now he's running Woolworths South Africa. So he's gone the other way. And he's actually a South African guy, but he's done the US thing and then come back. And I said to him, you know, what is the difference when you go across all these countries? He also used to work for SAB Miller. So he's, he's been in like a million countries, literally. Um, and he just said, the problem is you can just never underestimate the local dynamics. Like every single country is different. And I think that's been a standout for me. The more of the team I meet, 
you know, the fact that the guys are on the ground, like Westbrook's actually got this proper international footprint and it works. Clearly it works. Yeah. Look, uh, Ghost, I mean, just a point on that. And it's something we spend days, hours, months, years ingraining into our team is, you know, the cultural aspects of our business, which we call the Westbrook way. And then the way we approach deals, which we refer to as the Westbrook risk philosophy and approach. And, you know, the, the danger with having lots of clever people in an organization is, is that they think they're clever. And um, one thing we try our absolute level best not to do or to do is to, to build an environment with absolutely no ego involved, right? We, we know what we are and we know what we're not. We are allocators of capital. We are investors. We are not experts in how to best run a mobile home park. And so the philosophy is find the experts, back them, align them materially to your interests. And there's, you know, there's only so many ways you can align someone and generally that's by putting their money next to yours and their interests for gain alongside yours. And then partner them. And partner for me is like such a critical word because partner doesn't mean give them money and then tell them to go sail off into the sunset and do what they do. Partner means be a partner. Get involved in their business. Have the tough conversations with them. Mentor them and guide them through areas where they're struggling. Play them to their strengths. Bring in resources in their businesses where potentially they are deficient. And, and become partners for growth, right? And I think that, at least in terms of our borrower proposition, is something which is incredibly important, is that we see ourselves as a partner for growth, and we try to create and instill an environment amongst our investment teams where you know, you, you're very honest with yourself. I mean, you know, Ghost, you speak about it all the time, right? 100% of management forecasts are wrong. Well, we know that for certainty. So when you approach an investment decision, the first thing you know for sure is that whatever management's shown you is wrong, right? Might be, might be that the future is lower than anticipated. It might be that the future is higher than anticipated, but you know it's not gonna be exact. And so, so everything about in, in the world is about the probability of something happening. In debt, it's the probability of default and then the loss given default. And so when one looks at the world with a, with a probabilistic sort of approach and without any ego and without confirmation bias, that's another very important thing. You know, we all in world, in life generally, subconsciously seek out confirmation that our views on the world are true. Right, and, and that is something that takes a lot of effort not to do and, and, and therefore allows you to form a, a very unbiased view on things. And uh, these are the kinds of key fundamentals that will allow you to hopefully be a good investor going forward. Westbrook way, I like that. We've just got Magic Mo, which is not to be confused with Magic Mike, which is something completely different. Um, and, <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving on from that, I like that. The Westbrook way, it makes a lot of sense. It's in line with what Certainly one of the guys we've met, honestly, it really is. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Dino, I think that's all we've got time for. Again, you know, I, it was a real pleasure meeting uh, some of the team members when I was down in South Africa not so long ago. Uh, nice to kind of physically be in front of the team, uh, unpack some of these ideas, you know, brainstorm a couple of other ideas. And, and that's why we really appreciate having you and the team members on this podcast, because it allows us to take the discussions that we have offsides, you know, the discussions that are generally held around a braai over a cup of coffee and share that with our wider Magic Markets audience. So, Dino, thank you so much for actually taking out the time, spending it with us and with our listeners. Uh, again, I'd like to point the listeners towards the Westbrook website. And Dino, I'm going to let you do that. No worries. It's www.westbrook.co.za. That's Westbrook with an E on the end. 
There you have it, guys, westbrook.co.za. And in terms of confirmation bias, let us know if we are confirming our views on the show and if you disagree. Or if you agree, and you know, tell us what you've liked about the show. Engage us on social media. On Twitter, it's at FinanceGhost and at Mohammed Nala. Or pop us an email. Uh, pop the guys at Westbrook something as well. We usually hashtag, we usually include them on our Twitter blast as well. Uh, Dino, until the next time we speak to you and the Westbrook team, I've certainly enjoyed this. And we look forward to having you on a couple of shows in the future as well. Thank you, gents. It's always a pleasure. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.